Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories about the weather and climate and how they interact with our lives and the things we talk about every day. This is episode number nine in our summer series, and on the weekend that we changed the calendar to August, well, things keep changing. And so we are updating parts of this podcast throughout the weekend as we keep track of Hurricane Isaias and the latest AccuWeather iPath forecast and the expected impacts to Florida and the Carolinas as this weekend unfolds. And we'll also talk about the weather for other parts of the country as summer goes into the late stretch. In a normal year for most households with young people from school to college age, the beginning of August marks the end of their summer vacation season. With preparations for school and for those athletes in those households, they are preparing for their football, soccer, field hockey, cross-country, women's volleyball seasons. And band camp gets underway, so marching band kids are getting busy. Even I get to the beginning of August and start turning into football in fall mode, getting ready to announce for Penn State football and women's volleyball. But of course, 2020 has been anything but normal with COVID-19. The plan was for this week's First Rays Focus segment for me to talk to with two dear friends about where we are in the sports world. With so much happening and so much up in the air, Kim Jones of the NFL Network and Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX Radio, will join me to give me what they know and what they think. But as things keep changing, we'll keep updating some of the information before and after that segment. And then after the sports talk, we'll get to Isaias and the weather. Friends, there's plenty to talk about on this edition of Everything Under the Sun. Yes, I lead a double life. Weather is my day job. Well, early morning job. But my broadcasting start, and now my weekend job, is in sports. Before AccuWeather and I found a way to become a meteorologist and pursue one of my great passions in life and to be able to communicate the weather with great folks on these amazing radio stations, I got my start working in radio primarily covering Penn State sports and news. My summers are my quiet times for sports, but then when August hits, I know I have to start getting ready for the craziness that ensues, at least at Penn State during football, and that ramps up pretty quickly. I've known Kim Jones most of my adult life. She arrived at Penn State just a few years after I did and subsequently became Cub reporters with me together back in the early days. I was sports director at the local radio station. She covered the Nittany Lions for the college paper and then the local Center Daily Times. Became the Giants beat writer for the Newark Star-Ledger and then joined the Yes Network and WFAN as Yankees clubhouse reporter and then landed at the NFL Network where she's now a household name to NFL fans. You know, back in the day, I think we even made a margarita together for Keith Jackson at the Big Ten Kickoff Conference Hospitality Room one time. When I joined the TIAM Morning Show on KMOX Radio, one of my uh, dream radio stations that I find myself on these days in St. Louis, that happened about five years ago, I quickly became great friends with 
their amazing sports director, Tom Ackerman. The original plan was to use these minutes to talk to two dear friends about their thoughts, my concerns, and the things that we could look for in this crazy sports time. But as this weekend seems to be going, even some of the things we talk about in this segment, which was recorded Thursday midday, has changed. Up front, we'll tell you that over the last couple of days, we have had some positive COVID tests with the Cardinals. So that has forced some postponements this weekend with the Cardinals Brewers that Tom talks about. We'll update where we are with that at the end of this segment. Well, I said up front, things are changing rapidly, but it is good to talk to these two about sports. You know, I get to see Kim out at Michigan State last year, was it? We got to see each other at uh, right around Thanksgiving. Tom, it's been a couple of years since we've seen in person, but we talk all the time. And it's just really good to see all of you. You know, I go back to that uh, week in March. Everything started to come crashing down. Joelle, my partner, and I were actually in the middle of trying to buy a car. I had a trip to Las Vegas to look forward to. Big 10 lacrosse championship. The NCAA volleyball championship was all in my sights. Blue-white game. Uh, Kim, you were getting ready for uh, the NFL draft. Tom's getting ready for opening day. And then all of a sudden, sports are kind of yanked out from under us like a rug. Let me first ask, how did you deal with that? How was that to you? Now, you folks are more sports oriented in your job. So it may have been a different situation for you. But for me, it, it was tough. Kim, I'm going to start with you. How, how was that time for you when everything started changing so quickly? Yeah, it did. It did change awfully quickly. You know, I look back now at the, the scouting combine, which we somehow got through and somehow got through without an incident that was right before all of this. And I'm not sure how we got that lucky in Indianapolis with hundreds of people. And I'm on the field there with, with the athletes. I'm not making physical contact with them, but we're all on the field. And somehow we got through the combine. And then luckily, the NFL decided to go on with free agency and then ultimately the draft. So in some ways, the NFL has been able to continue normalcy, although the way we're doing our jobs, often at home, for example, is obviously very different. Now, Tom, I remember when uh, we were back in our COVID series, you were actually one of the first interviews I did. And at that point, I mean, you had... You went to Florida, right, for spring training. If I remember, you were down there during that time. That's when you guys were there, ramping up for the season. And then you guys at KMOX made an amazing call. Instead of, you know, with the opening of the season canceled, rather than dwelling on that, you decided to bring back old Cardinals games on the radio, and you had a great run of that. But then, you know, after the excitement of that wore off for a while, it kind of it descended into this, what, well, what's happening? What are we doing? And, and what do we talk about in the sports world in that situation? Yeah, you know, we did. As you said, we started in spring training, and I remember the day very specifically uh, when Rudy Gobert tested positive in the NBA. I think we knew that it was the dominoes were going to to fall, and we knew that we were next. And on March 12th, I was calling a baseball game with Mike Claiborne, calling a Cardinal spring training game up in the booth, thinking, "When are they going to call this game?" In fact, I was. I had doubted that they were going to play the game. But at that point, you could not go into clubhouses. You couldn't uh, come close to the players. Any interviews had to be conducted at, at six or more feet away. They sent us a release in the booth and told us that at the end of the game, they were going to cancel spring training across Major League Baseball. So as you mentioned, at that point, I stayed for an extra week in Florida to cover the story of the team trying to figure out what it was going to do next. There was a lot of confusion trying to figure out among the players what their next step was. Each day was different. But we decided at that point that because they weren't going to play games and 
our radio station, while we are a news talk station, depends greatly on Cardinals games at night. Uh, let's keep playing Cardinals games at night. So we decided to first go with the longest run we could think of, which was 2011, the World Championship year. They were 10 and a half games out of first, 10 and a half games out of a wild card spot, actually, in August. So we went and took every single game from when they were 10 and a half out all the way through game seven of the World Series. That covered about six weeks. So every single day there was a baseball game on KMOX. And then from there, we just kept digging into the archives. And as you said, we played game after game. And all the while we covered the story, it was a, a story that we felt was very important. Cardinals fans uh, certainly have been paying close attention. We also had the Stanley Cup champions here, the Blues, trying to figure out what their next move was. Sports was put on hold, but the news following the sports and talking to the front office members and players and everybody's reaction certainly carried us through for a long time. And then now we've gotten to this point. Now, Kim, during that period, I mean, you guys have news and moves and all that kind of stuff. The NFL was one of the first leagues that was trying to figure out what they were going to try to do in the fall and kind of stick to that. We're starting to see that with some of the college football big schools and leagues that are trying to put out a schedule. The ACC just put out a schedule with Notre Dame on on Wednesday, but at least you had that news to cover. But it it had to feel very different for you and for everybody else in in your boat, especially and and you being based in New York City certainly had a much different experience too with the COVID and everything else during that period. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've had no shortage of news. I mean, for, for months now, I've been operating out of this, where I am now, my home. Uh, my living room's been taken over by equipment that I sometimes don't know exactly how to run, but I can mostly do it where I get on the air properly. <laughs> uh, um, you know, a lot of what I've said has been what I would have said no matter what. It's right. just that the environment's different, the setting's different, and obviously COVID-19 is a big part of our lives. So as we stand here, and I'm telling you folks, uh, we say this about the weather segments that I do that are supposed to play for a couple of days in a row. Please keep checking in, but we're in a very fluid situation. As we are recording this on Thursday, we've got another bombshell that the Philadelphia Phillies now have two positive tests uh, on this uh, Thursday. And so that puts uh, them and their situation, they're getting shut down. Uh, The NFL seems like they're still pushing couple of things. Let's first talk about this. Baseball, and I want you both to weigh on it, you know, Tom first and then Kim. The way baseball tried to structure and some of the things that they're trying to do, I kind of mentioned this in, when we were setting up the interview. Are we doing a disservice as sports trying to create this watchable thing that doesn't really look like the real thing or has some, like the tiebreaker rule or, or what they're trying to do to shorten the games in, in Major League Baseball with putting a runner on second? Are, we, are the fans buying into this? Tom, your thoughts first, uh, especially as it relates to baseball. Well, I mean, if you look at what ESPN's uh, first baseball game on the air did, it was a rating smash. I mean, it did extremely well. The Yankees Nationals game and the ratings here locally on television for the first Cardinals game were big. So yeah, the interest is there. It depends on who you talk to if it's the right thing. I think that, you know, if if you're overly concerned about the health and safety of everyone involved, and I think everybody is, I think it, it I I do believe that everybody is the health and safety of the people involved. You realize that the players are putting themselves at risk uh, to create something that is yes, getting them paid. That is yes, getting 
revenue back that is creating TV revenue. But it's also providing people that depend on the game for a living to make a salary. It's giving people that have wanted baseball and, and have had a very tough go here for four or five months an opportunity to kind of lose themselves for a couple hours in a baseball game and forget about everything that's surrounding them in, in a negative way. So the players, you know, in talking to somebody like Adam Wainwright, they really believed, and he's one of the better Cardinals for many years, great pitcher, said that, you know, we, we want to do this for everybody who loves the game and we want them to be able to enjoy the game and give them some entertainment. And he said that, Dean, from day one. The right. day that he was packing his car, right. leaving spring training, he said, you know, we want it, we feel like we owe it to the fans to try to make something happen. So if you ask me, uh, my opinion is, and of course, I have a business interest. As you can see, I'm, I'm here at the radio station and, and talking to you from a radio station that carries the Cardinals games. But I respect the fact that they have tried. Did they do it the right way? Not always, but, but this is 2020 and it's a day-to-day -day situation where we're trying to learn about coronavirus on a daily basis and what it can and can't do. They've made a great attempt to follow the guidelines and go about this the right way. I, I did not enjoy the players and owners going back and forth in a negotiation in the middle of all of this. That right. didn't leave people with a, with a very happy feeling. But I think overall, what your question is, the attempt to make something happen and to create baseball that's not quite baseball as we remember it, nothing in 2020 is as we remember it. So I would look back and say, that they gave it a shot, that they tried to make something happen in, in a year where it seemed like it would be very difficult to do so. All right. So I want to transition now to, to Kim. Is it a little different than baseball where it's been a little bit of a different whole story for the NFL in this regard? Yeah, I, I, I will um, gently disagree with the idea that two cases with the Phillies is a bombshell. I mean, if they weren't prepared to handle cases, None of the leagues, none of them, even the ones that are getting zero positives, should have reopened. Now, it right. does seem to me that some credible reporters are suggesting the Marlins stepped out of bounds in terms of what they should be doing to take proper precautions, and that set off this whole chain of events. If so, uh, that to me is uh, one team really sabotaging uh, its program and uh, the programs of others. and can be a very cautionary tale for football going forward. I think right. football was always going to learn from the other sports. And I think so far it has learned at least one really valuable lesson because of the Marlins. Uh, Kim, do you think the NFL is going to be able to take those lessons and be able to make a product that is uh, appealing as we go forward here into the fall? Well, there's no doubt. And I know I work at NFL Network, but there is no doubt that any NFL product is going to be appealing. The NFL reigns and the NFL has been very good in terms of developing a fan base that includes an awful lot of women now and that is must-see TV. So that part I don't worry about. The part that I think you could wonder about are those lessons to be learned from folks who are congregating and then the number of cases um, explodes and could undermine what most of the league wants to do, and that is the right thing when it comes to COVID guidelines and get on the field and play on Sundays and other days of the week. I was very impressed with the NFL players right before they came to an agreement with the ownership uh, when their hashtag was, we want to play. 
And I don't have any doubt about that. I covered baseball for seven years, the New York Yankees. I've now covered the NFL for I don't know how many years uh, combined. But NFL players love to play and want to play. And I thought that they did a great job showing that, uh, obviously via Twitter, because that's where we live our lives now. But they also then put it into action where very quickly after that, the players' union and NFL ownership came to agreements on almost everything. Speaking with Kim Jones from NFL Network and WFAN in New York City, Tom Ackerman, the sports director at KMOX and part of the Cardinals broadcast team. And uh, both of you, well, Kim is a Penn Stater like I am. And uh, Kim and I go way back with college football. Kim was a beat reporter for the local paper when I got with my radio start covering Penn State football. Tom went to Indiana University, is a Hoosier, but also uh, covers uh, Missouri and, and that. So both of you weigh in on what you think is happening in terms of major college football. I was surprised the, uh, the NCAA kind of kicked the can down the road just this past Friday when they didn't decide to vote for or against having the uh, fall championships. Uh, maybe a couple of s- seconds from both of you on what you think is going on. Do we, you know, if, if they do cancel the championships, is there any way those big colleges can really play a season without uh, some bad PR? Tom, we'll start with you on that. I just don't know, Dean. I think that in college football, it's a lot different than the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, where these leagues are professional leagues. There are less number of teams. In college football, you're talking about so many institutions in so many geographic areas that have different restrictions, so many students, many of whom are not returning to campus and will be working uh, virtually. It's very, very difficult in my estimation for college football to move forward. I do, as a fan, hope that I get to see some football, but I want to see that they do all of this in the right way. You've already had non-conference games get banged, and, and you know what? That's going to hurt the smaller schools. I mean, they depend on that money to play these large schools. That's already taken a hit in my estimation, and, and even if these Power 5 schools are feeling good about playing, it's tough for right now for the smaller ones. I'd love to see it, but I, you know, I have been watching pretty closely how all sports have been able to manage this. MLS, I should throw in there as well, has been able to at least play in a controlled environment in Orlando. The NBA and WNBA are there. The NHL has had zero positive tests over the last week or so. And they are playing in a bubble in Edmonton and Toronto. It looks like they're going to get things started. Baseball has had an outbreak in the Marlins. And then two so far on this recording with the Phillies, if they can, you know, I think that would be uh, good if they can figure out how to handle that and move forward and, and figure out how to get the Marlins back under control. And, you know, you can't continue a season if one of your teams is completely non-competitive. So that's the the big issue they have there. Otherwise, I mean, I can tell you from a Cardinal standpoint, they've been able to control things from an intake process and testing and and get themselves going. I think the biggest thing is travel. And, you know, college football, like you've got, you're talking about kids getting on a plane and, 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 hundreds of schools traveling well, around it just yeah, it's, and, and then you know, the, that's the thing it's the control right now is the is the big part i see better control in the professional leagues right and then you're you know kim knows this from dealing with college now those college football travel parties are up to 150 people on the big plane and so where does it end how you know so your thoughts on on college football and that situation going into the fall kim well and it would make sense to cut down on the number in the travel party I mean, it just would. I mean, first of all, not all the kids play. You know, not all the people need to go. 
Uh, in fact, I would say very few non-essential people would need to be on those trips. You know, I, I am optimistic because I always am. I hope we have a college football season. I hope we can do it in a way that is as safe as possible. That doesn't mean there won't be any cases. Uh, we'd be naive to think that, but I would certainly hope that they can find safety measures where they can do their best to protect these student athletes. One thing I do not want to see, and I don't think it's even in the spectrum of uh, health and safety, you cannot ask college players to do one of two things, play a spring season, sit out for a little bit, right. then play a fall season. You cannot ask college football players in this day and age to play upwards of 24 games in a calendar year. That's yeah. sick to even no. think about. You I, also I, can't ask players to play in the spring and then go to the combine. Maybe the combine workouts are completely different because of that scenario, but you cannot ask them to play a full season, at least get ready for some sort of combine experience, then get drafted and show up in May for the beginning of, of workouts. You can't do that to players. That is not taking care of their health and safety. So that stuff to me, I don't even know who's talking about that. I know some of the people talking about it makes no sense whatsoever. Right. If they're going to play, it's going to have to be in the fall. And I hope it is. I think, I think it's just people actually pipe dreaming and then just figuring out a way because they just, they can't imagine. And I guess I'm in a situation, I'm more feeling I'd rather have everybody say nothing at all miss it for a year. You know, you know, sometimes it's good to miss something because then it makes it better on the other side. Now, I I'd know. be careful before, I, I, I'd be I, careful about the, it's always about money, Dean. Well, and no, I'm, I'm going to say, financial, uh, right. I, I'm, I, it would not be the same sport. I agree. And, and I understand that. And I was going to say that because I think at that point, some of me wonders, are there people, and you know, Kim, you were around, uh, and, and Tom at IU, I'm sure there were professors and there's people at a university that don't like big time college football as much as a lot of people do. And so there are times when I wonder, is this an opportunity for those people to say, let's shut it down? I mean, football has some. <laughs> I know one thing, the SEC ain't never. No, well, and so. the Big Ten either. But <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. But but I mean, as the pandemic I know some people in higher education on the on the administration side that are worried about what higher education looks like in five, 10 years. But, if yeah, this, but that's you know, a whole different ballgame. Well, I mean, no pun intended. That's right. a whole different ballgame. I agree. Tom, you have any thoughts? on Well, that? I mean, it's, you know, that they might be down on it till they see that check. I mean, football pays the bills and, yeah. and brings in big money and also brings in a lot of exposure on television to your university. So that's a, a loss. And if they don't have a college football season, it's going to hurt. I mean, it's going to hurt in the neighborhood of tens of millions of dollars per institution. Well, it's so, not only going to hurt money. I think it's going to hurt other sports. I mean, if you don't yes. have a college football oh, no season, doubt. right, no you're, you're, you're slashing probably all the Olympic sports off the NCAA docket and oh, sure. support, right? Yeah. So that is correct. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, let's say that there were no sports uh, anywhere. And would we learn, have we learned to live without sports? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we've, we've gone about our day, but, you know, there are a lot of people who are out of work because of sports. I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do news as well. So, right. you know, I'm I've, fortunate I've, enough to be able to do weather as well. So I've had, I've had the ability to, to be able to work and, and I get to go 
downtown and work in an office and not out of home as as somebody who um, had to be able to do the show downtown in in the studio you know i'm i have to understand that there will be so many people out of work and i think about them and you know, look it's, at, it's look just at the a towns. huge business. And it's, look, right, look, it's, at, look, exactly. at, look at State College or all the, all these big college towns or, or Green Bay. Look at Green Bay. It's if billions of dollars. Right, right. It's, it's billions of dollars. I mean, it's, you know, Tuscaloosa takes a billion dollar hit uh, for not having Alabama games, just as an example. So, you know, you're talking about people that depend on the business, hotels, restaurants, people out of work. It's, it's hard, but it's also something that they have tried to manage on a daily basis through, I can just tell you from close experience, having been with the Cardinals for 23 years, I know that the organization is very tight with the community. Uh, They've communicated as well as they possibly can with the fans. I think the fans here have been very, very patient. Uh, They've worked extremely hard, but things change daily. And you know they do the best they can for their employees, for the people in the city, and and do all that they can. But you know that you have to be prepared for the fact that it could all end the next day. And all it takes really is, like in the Marlins organization, you know this really is going to come down to Dean. I'm just talking now specifically baseball. It's going to come down to the players when they go on the road, and the Cardinals are on the road right now for the first time. Do they stay in their hotel room? Do they wear a mask when told? Do they? police each other? Do they watch out for each other and make sure, you know, I'll refer back to something that Wainwright said, who's kind of like the spiritual leader of this team. He's like, we're asking for three months of your life, three months. We are going to follow the rules and regulations. And if you don't, we are going to call you out and they are trying to make sure that they can get through this. And he said, it's not just for us. It's for all the people who are working in this game. And we're already seeing, though, Kim, on the NFL side, some players that are choosing to not play because of COVID. Do you think we'll see more of that as we head through the next couple of weeks? Yeah, let me look at my calendar. I think they have until Monday. I'm not sure if that's a firm deadline, but I think they have till August 3rd. Okay. That's Monday. So, yes, we'll have more guys opt out. Listen, Nate Solder, formerly of the Patriots, now the Giants opted out. He's battled cancer. His five-year-old son has an ongoing battle with cancer. And he and, he and his wife have a, a baby son born this year. If you're Nate Solder, you have no choice. Right. No, absolutely he obviously right. has to protect his family. And the, the one thing I think is that people understand that. Like, you know, and we should understand that. But generally speaking, players are going to play. And they want to play. And I hope they can play. I guess that's where I would leave it. That, that, those are my yeah. most concise thoughts on this is they want to play. If for some reason they're uncomfortable playing, they should opt out and they should be respected for that decision. And my hope when we get into September is that we're talking about football Sundays, NFL football Sundays. And Kim, the baseball players don't have that deadline. They can opt out at any point here. But I can tell you that to this point, we've only had one player opt out, and that's Jordan Hicks, the Cardinals reliever who uh, has – he is a type 1 diabetic, but he also just had Tommy John surgery and had some complications from it, so he probably wouldn't have pitched anyway. Otherwise, uh, no, none of the players have opted out. And, and having seen them down on the field, I'm not around them because I'm not allowed in the clubhouse, but being up in the booth and watching them down on the field, they're having fun. I mean, yeah. they're smiling, they're doing their thing, they're between the lines, they got the uniform on, they're making great plays, they worked all offseason to get back to this. To your point earlier, this is what they do. They really do enjoy this. They really, truly, in their hearts, 
want to play and want to try. If they are told that it is not safe and we can't do it, they'll shut it down. But, you know, they have, they've gotten to this point, and I think that's a win. Just the fact that they got from March 12th to the beginning of August, and they actually are playing baseball games that count, should be encouraging for sports. Not everybody's going to be able to do this. The NHL looks like it's in pretty good shape. The NBA, here, here's the other thing that, you know, a lot of people have asked, well, why didn't baseball do a bubble also? It's just too hard. Too many people, kind of like football, too many people uh, to the staffs are way too big. You need way too many facilities to, to handle it all. Arizona maybe was the only one that might have worked, but it's like 100. This is a, this would be a Dean question. What's the temperature in Arizona today? About 115 degrees? Yeah, that wouldn't, just, have, been, can't do wouldn't it. have been pleasant, no. No. Well, listen, um, it is uh, sports, always important to me, mostly for creating amazing friendships. It was a pleasure to get an old friend and a newer friend together to talk, and I appreciate both of your insights and expertise, and maybe we can get together in about a month or so and talk positive about the fun things that are going on in this fall. Dean, one thing amid, you know, doom and gloom, Yes. Nick Marcakis, I read, is opting in. So, oh, yep. You know, in baseball, that's more fluid. With football, once you opt out, you have to sit out the season. Right. But he's opting in, and that's pretty cool. I've known Nick a long time uh, from his time in Baltimore, uh, obviously in uh, the division with the Yankees. So uh, that was nice to see. Yeah, awesome. Kim, thanks so much. Tom, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Again, our thanks to uh, Kim Jones. You can follow her on Twitter at Kim Jones Sports and. Tom Ackerman. You can follow him on Twitter at Ackerman, A-C-K-E-R-M-A-N 1120. Kim Jones Sports, Ackerman 1120, the Twitter handles. And obviously we've been telling you things are changing rapidly. So this update is coming Sunday midday. And on Saturday, a third Cardinal player tested positive for COVID-19, joining the two staff members. So uh, all of the games that the Cardinals were scheduled to play in Milwaukee have been postponed. I think they rejiggered the schedule to have some of those played in St. Louis going forward. That situation will continue to change. And then also over uh, the course of the last several days, right after that interview was done, the SEC announced that they are going to play their college football season conference only starting no earlier than September 26. Well, that's the sports situation. The weather changing situation is uh, rapidly changing. Isaias is coming into Florida here as we go on this Sunday midday. We've got the latest weather update with Bill Dager after this on Everything Under the Sun. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, Hey Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day, every day. And welcome back to Everything Under the Sun, our special summer series edition number nine in that. And it is constantly being updated. And here we are Monday, late morning. And I am joined by AccuWeather meteorologist Bill Dager. Before we get into the weather segment here, I do want to update uh, from our sports segment. Even in the last 24 hours, more updates. It looks like one more postponement for the Cardinals uh, pending any more tests. They should be able to play tomorrow. We uh, updated that situation since we recorded that sports interview. They had some positive tests late Thursday right after we recorded the interview. Uh, Their weekend series with the Brewers had gotten knocked out. And uh, this uh, first game uh, for the the Cardinals coming back here in this week at least. The good news is, and my friend Bill and I are happy that the Phillies 
Are we happy that the Phillies are going to start playing again, Bill? Sure. I don't know. I haven't sure. really even thought about baseball yet this season. <laughs> you know, it was a nice escape to, to finally watch some baseball there uh, about a week, uh, a week and a half ago, I guess now they started the season. And then the uh, Phillies had some issues with the Marlins in town and they haven't played for a week now. So, uh, yeah, I think they're back on uh, this evening. Right. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that situation. Also, uh, past that interview we did on the sports side, the SEC announced late Thursday into Friday that they're going to try to play a conference-only schedule starting, I think, no earlier than September 26 is what I read. Still waiting on the Big Ten to announce exactly what they're going to do with their quote-unquote conference-only schedule. All right, enough sports talk. (laughs) My other hat, Bill. I guess we need a diversion from Isaias because we've been talking about it for at least what it feels like a month already, and we still got two or three more days to go. As we record this here on Monday, midday, folks, there is a good chance it's tropical storm status as it's poised to come on shore to the Carolinas. And again, this is being recorded Monday, late morning, early afternoon uh, into that time frame. So get the latest from AccuWeather.com. But Bill, it looks like a little strengthening and then comes on shore. So it looks like the brunt of the storm coming into the Carolinas. But the good news is the iPath forecast or forecast iPath from AccuWeather.com, that center of circulation looks like it stays over almost, if not entirely, land as it comes up all the way through the New York City area and into New England as we go later Tuesday into early Wednesday. Yeah, that's right. It looks like it's uh, poised for a landfall somewhere in northeastern South Carolina or southern North Carolina tonight, overnight. And it may be a Category 1 hurricane, maybe a strong tropical storm. You know the difference between a hurricane and a tropical storm, just one mile per hour. So the impacts are going to be pretty similar right. no matter what we call this. Uh, and you're right, it, it does go in inland pretty pretty much the rest of the time after that, almost up the I-95 corridor into central New England by the time we get to uh, Tuesday night. So when we're looking at any tropical system, System and its interaction with land, three things we are watching. Um, the one, and it's the reason these things get their designation, is really centered on the wind. You know, we've taken that at AccuWeather and kind of tried to switch it a little bit. And for any tropical system, we have what we call a real impact scale. And that's where we try to kind of talk about the impact from one to five. Um, some systems are actually even less than one, depending if they're real light. So well, let's talk about that, the impacts of wind, Then the other two that we have to watch, amounts of rain, and then the coastal flooding. Where the storm comes on shore, it's really the worst areas for storm surge always. But then you can have some coastal flooding, depending on the way a storm goes up the coast in these situations. So let's start uh, the rain shield worst across the Carolinas up through the Delmarva You know, one thing that I worry about as it goes up into the storm and it gets up into the northeast, we're going to see a lot of effect and maybe even down farther south with this moisture being pulled on shore, hitting those mountains after it goes through the Piedmont and then starts upsloping towards the the Appalachians. I'm really worried that areas away from the center of circulation, the coast could see more problems, obviously, with flooding and those problems as we go farther north or east. And then we're going to have the coastal uh, surge and and the coastal flooding and then and then the wind surge and we'll talk about that here soon yeah you know outside of the eastern carolinas the rainfall north of there is probably going to be heaviest away from the coast even like you said up the i-95 corridor even a little bit inward from that right. closer to the i-81 corridor probably looking at a swath of at least two to four inches of rain i don't think it's going to be unreasonable to see locally uh, six inches of rain in parts of uh, maryland eastern pennsylvania up through the hudson valley in new york and western new england 
So yeah, rain is, is is the big concern. I think with the, the biggest concern, I think with this system, most deaths in tropical cyclones occur in freshwater flooding away from the coast. So we will be concerned about the rain. And like you said, the wind, uh, the greatest wind, 60 to 80 mile per hour gusts likely as it comes ashore, northeastern South Carolina, southern North Carolina, but a large area right up the eastern seaboard of 40 to 60 mile per hour gusts. Yeah. Now, again, when we talk about those numbers, I think sometimes the thing I, and I was talking about this in our one of our map discussions, we need to talk to people in certain areas about duration of sustained winds and the gusts. So, you know, in the Carolinas, there there could be some hurricane force sustained winds, then, then also some some gusts. But what are we talking about? A few hours of that possibly in the Carolinas? Four to six hours maybe? Yeah, probably about six hours at the most, and it's uh, likely to occur ahead of and as the storm is making landfall and the center moves through. So yeah, that would be right in the middle of tonight as it comes ashore in the Carolinas and and then extrapolate that northward during the day on Tuesday as we head toward the eastern mid-Atlantic couple of things. If you were in the Northeast yesterday, you know that you had all those nasty thunderstorms that spun up with that little dew point surge that came up as we went last night. A couple of things. I would be really worried about spin-up tornadoes east of the center of the storm as we get, especially late tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening. Um, the center of the storm at that point, I would think, would be Delmarva up towards getting uh, towards New York City. So that zone is, I have the, something that we mentioned in winds, a possibility of spin-up tornado, some real heavy downpours. The first one, for, uh, you know, the Delmarva and back to D.C. area, probably what, this later this afternoon, this evening, later tonight for New York City, and then probably not till in the day Tuesday once you get up to Boston and the Cape, and they're going to still have some issues there we can talk about here for a second. Yeah, along and east of the track of the center of the storm is where you get that tornado risk. So that puts the uh, pretty much the areas along uh, and east of I-95 uh, at risk of that and up through much of uh, much of New England. In fact, central, at least central and eastern New England, probably even western New England. And, and you're right, on Sunday, they, they had a little taste of that. They had some thunderstorms uh, in the area around Lehigh Valley. Also, a few reports in parts of Connecticut and Massachusetts of tornadoes uh, during the day on Sunday. So maybe more of that where, where that came from as this tropical system works up the coast. Bill woke me up with a tornado warning when I was in the Poconos. It was just Sorry about south that. of us on Sunday when I was camping. Thanks, Bill. Uh, <laughs> all joking aside, look, uh, I think for uh, the tidewater always has issues with these kinds of storms. A little funneling effect there. It could be some coastal flooding there. Moderate coastal flooding around the New York City area, I think, at times of high tide especially. Uh, winds, New York City area, gusts of 40 inland. You know, this is going to be a tough one because... New York City, we're going to see, I'm, I'm almost positive, I, I will guarantee we see some numbers with a seven on them in terms of wind gusts, but I'm wondering if some of that's going to be out on the boys, buoys out over the ocean, or because I just don't think at ground level, it's going to get to 70. I think 60, 65, and I think that's what we're talking about here for some peak gusts right along the Jersey Shore over to Long Island. By the time this thing gets up into New England later, uh, Thursday into Thursday night, probably the the coastal area, south coast over the Cape, maybe 50 to 60 miles per hour gusts, wind, inland gusts, probably 30. And by then, we're talking about smaller time frames for some of these small uh, gusty winds, right? That's right. Yeah, this storm is picking up steam. Uh, I know the uh, 5 a.m. advisory had it moving at nine miles an hour. It's now 13 miles an hour off to the north. It's only going to get faster as it gains latitude. So these winds, like you said, uh, the worst of it is uh, probably limited to like a four to six hour time frame ahead and as the center moves through. And, and yeah, I think, uh, I think 60, 70 miles per hour, not out of the question. Some of those buoys and coastal locations. Uh, we also talked about it in the map discussion 
higher up in in skyscrapers buildings well. right yeah yeah that's what i wanted to bring up you know we're going to see that too i think uh it, so yeah i don't know this is one i don't know that i'd want to be awfully high up in a building in new york city just me personally i don't know hey a couple of other quick things and i know both bill and i don't have much time here because we got things to do water spouts we saw some marine warnings uh, east of chicago here on this monday late morning and uh, up in the Saginaw Bay and there's water spout potential, the bigger lakes and the Great Lakes next couple of days, unseasonably cool air. It was in the 30s this Monday morning in Minnesota and it is, uh, we're putting um, September, October air over August ground. It's not good, Bill, up in the uh, upper Midwest. Yeah, you know, those water spouts, uh, typically something you see in the fall. So if there's a sign of uh, fall, perhaps uh, fall-like weather coming early, it's it's a few water spouts. There's a trough of low pressure moving through and that instability in the atmosphere, how cool it is aloft uh, compared to the surface is causing those uh, water spouts to pop up over the water. Bill, thank you so much for there uh, being with us today. I know we both got to run. A nice place to be, St. Louis, the next few days after they get a little shower today. Out west, we got a heat wave. Bill will join us again on Tuesday with the latest for Isaias as we continue to update during the podcast. Thank you, Bill. And friends, that'll do it for us for everything under the sun. We'll keep updating the sports uh, situation right before we get to the Swagler segment. And by Tuesday midday, we'll have another update on the weather portion of this podcast. For all of us, including our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm Dean DeBoer. Thanks for joining us for everything under the sun. 